0: Before we get started with the reading of God's Word and the message that I'm excited to share with you, before that happens, allow me to challenge you with 2020 coming to an end and 2021 here before we know it. Allow me to challenge you to begin begin praying, begin praying about what one word God would give you for 2021 one word to use as a lens or as a filter for the new year for twenty twenty one. Ask God to reveal your word to you with, with this simple question. What do you want me to what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do through me? Write down what comes to your heart and listen and be open to God's to the word that God wants to share with you. One word, one word that is yours. Begin to pray for it. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Maranatha. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Maranatha. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Maranatha. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Maranatha. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Father, come, Lord Jesus, come is the cry of our hearts, but I pray that today you'll remind us that not only did you come, not only are you coming again, but that you're here, that you're always present. The question is, are we? How often do we truly seek your presence? How Often do we cry out or call out to you, and in this Christmas season, a, a season of giving, how often are, are we willing to be used by you to allow others to experience your presence? Lord Jesus, touch our lives each day in a way that, in a way that encourages us to touch other lives. Uh, be, with our, be it with our time be it with our talents, be it with our treasure. Use us to make a difference in the worlds that you've placed each of us in. Oh, Holy Spirit, open eyes, open hearts, use our hands, use our feet, use our minds for the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Well, open the Bible to John chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John 14. And we're going to start reading at verse 15. So, everyone got a Bible open? If not, we're back online. Hit that pause button. Grab one. Grab a highlighter. Maybe a pencil. Maybe a pen. While you're at it, John 14. Verses 15 through 17 in the ESV. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. And he will. He will be in you. If your Bible's like mine, those verses are all red letters. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is Jesus speaking to you and speaking to me. Verse 15 begins with an if, with a question. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Not because you have to, but because you want to. If you love me, I'll talk to the Father. If you love me, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. If you love me, that Spirit will be with you forever. Let's read the passage again. If you love me, highlight it, circle it, underline it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Highlight that. Claim that. Let me read it again. To be with you forever. Verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Underline it. Highlight it. For He dwells with you, and He will be in you. Last week, Pastor Ricky spoke about Jesus' second coming, about Jesus coming again, about our heart cry, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha! And Christmas Eve, Pastor Ricky will share about Jesus' coming, a baby in a manger, a miracle man, a Savior. But this week, this week, we are reminded that we live in the in-between. We live in the tension between a Jesus who came and a Jesus who is coming. Today I want to remind you, I want to share with you how we can live in the now and experience God. Experience God today, every day. And today I want to share from three different books. One, you'll probably all be very familiar with, Jesus Calling, by Sarah Young, a wonderful devotional. The second one, a book entitled Benedictions, a resource of 109 different benedictions. And last, from Max Locato's book, You're Never Alone, which I hope many of you will buy. John Wesley's Sunday Service of the Methodists in North America, written in 18 in, excuse me written in 1784. I don't know if it was a manual, a pamphlet, a booklet, a handout. But in that writing, he instructed the elders to use these words to end any service. May the God of peace, which path is all understanding, keep your hearts and mind in the knowledge and the love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. John fourteen sixteen. To be with you forever. John fourteen seventeen, for he will dwell with you, and he will be in you. Jesus is always with us. His Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, makes him known. Hear this devotional from Sarah Young, dated August 30th, in the book Jesus Calling. There is no place too desolate, that you cannot find me there. When Hagar fled with, from her mistress, Sarai, into the wilderness, she thought she was utterly alone and forsaken. But Hagar encountered me in the desolate place. There she addressed me as the living one who sees me. Through that encounter with my presence, she gained courage to return to her mistress. No set of circumstances could ever isolate you from my loving presence. Not only do I see you always, I see you as a redeemed saint, gloriously radiant in my righteousness. That is why I take great delight in you and I rejoice over you with singing. Sarah's devotional came from these scriptures. In Genesis 16, verses 7 through 14, I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. Again, if you have your Bible, try to follow along. It begins, but the angel of the Lord. In your Bible, I'd suggest write Jesus right above angel of the Lord. Genesis 60, 7 through 14. But the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness on the road to Egypt by way of Sir. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where did you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Go back to your mistress and submit humbly to her authority. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants, so that they are... It will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord continued, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall name his Ishmael, God hears, because the Lord has heard and paid attention to your persecution, to your suffering. He, Ishmael, will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against every man, continually fighting, and every man's hand against him. And he will dwell in defiance of all of his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord, who spoke to her, you are God who sees. For she says, Have I not even here in the wilderness remained alive after seeing him? Who sees him with understanding? Sees him who is compassionate. Therefore the well was called Berlaharoi, well of the living one who sees me. And it's between Kadesh and Birad. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. The prophet Zephaniah wrote, In Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like you were completely alone with no one to help you? Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. This reading, this devotional, asserts that there's no place so desolate that you can't find Jesus there. Do you feel like God sometimes leads you to solitary places to renew your heart, to renew our minds? Have you ever been able to draw closer to Him in those moments, in those places? Psalm 139 shows that David recognized, even in his loneliness, even in the most desolate of times, that your hand will guide me, that your right hand will hold me fast. Are you able to visualize Even when you've been rejected or separated from family and from friends, security or comfort, that God's still there loving you and delighting in you. You see, Maranatha isn't just a plea for Jesus to come. Maranatha is a whisper. It's a reminder that Jesus is here, that Jesus is near, In Max Lucado's book, You're Never Alone, spoiler alert, one of my favorite stories at the end of the book. Let me pick it up here. Max writes, call me simple, but I think God's a good God, a good father. I think he knows something about life, and I think he invites us to take the step, to take the plunge, to jump into a relationship with Him that is vibrant, joyous, and yes, fun. It's not always easy, mind you, but certainly it's worth the risk. The Apostle John's gospel could have been subtitled that you would believe. Why tell about the water to wine miracle? So you believe that Jesus could restore what life had taken? Why tell about the faith of a nobleman so that you might believe that Jesus hears your prayers when you think he doesn't? Why tell about a lame man who took up his matter, a blind man who washed the mud from his eyes so that you might believe in a Jesus who sees a new version of us and gives New vision to us. Why walk on water, feed thousands, and raise the dead? (laughs) So that we believe that God still stills the storms. Still solves the problems of life. And still brings the dead to life. You need grace? Jesus' work of redemption is still finished. Need reassurance that it's all true? The tomb's still empty. Need a second chance? The coal fire is still burning on a Galilean shore. All these events stand together as one voice, cheering you on, calling to you, to believe that this miracle worker, God, cares for you, and that he fights for you, and that he will come to your aid. Sometimes God provides miracles for us, and other times God uses us to make miracles happen for other people. Like the basketball players and fans were to Luke, a young player whose dream came true in the final game of the year, Luke learns at a different pace than other elementary school kids. He develops more slowly than his peers. Yet he has a winsome smile and a pure heart that endears him to everyone who knows him. When the pastor of the church formed a basketball team, Luke signed up. While the other boys practiced dribbling and layups, Luke threw a ball at the basket from the free throw line. It rarely went in. But when it did, Luke, would raise his arms and he'd shout, Look at me, coach, look at me. The coach looked at him and he smiled. The team didn't fare too well that season. They won only once and that victory was the consequence of a snowstorm that a snowstorm that kept the other team from showing up at all. In the final game of the year they played the best team in the league. It was over before it began. Near the end of the last quarter, Luke's team stood nearly 30 points behind. It was then that one of the boys called a timeout. Coach, he said, this is our last game, and Luke has never made a basket. I think we should let him into the game. The team agreed. The coach placed him near the free throw line and instructed him to wait. Luke was ecstatic. He stood on his spot. When the ball was passed to him, he shot and he missed. The player from the other team snatched the rebound and dribbled down the court for an easy basket. Luke was handed the ball again. He shot and he missed again. The other team scored off the rebound. Gradually, the other team began to figure out what was going on. They started throwing the ball to Luke, too. He kept missing, so the players from both teams kept throwing it to him. Soon, everyone in the gym was pulling for Luke to make a basket. The coach was sure that the time had expired. The game had to be over. He glanced at the official clock. It was stopped at 4.3 seconds. Turns out even the timekeepers were on, the, on for the effort, They stood by their table, shouting with the crowd, Luke, Luke, Luke shot and shot. He attempted again and again and again, and finally, miraculously, one of his shots took a crazy bounce off the rim. Everyone held their breath. The ball dropped in, and the place erupted. Luke's arm sprang up in the air, and he shouted, I won, I won. His team escorted him off the court. The clock clicked down. And the game, the game was over. I see some gospel in that story. I see a picture of God's devotion to you, God's devotion to me. God wants us to win. Not win in basketball necessarily, but win in faith and win in hope and win in life. God wants us to win for eternity. He marshals every force. He enlists every tool. He employs every miracle so that you and I will someday throw triumphantly fists into the sky. Can I urge you to see the miracles of Jesus as a part of his arsenal? They were, they are part of the collective chant from heaven, crying your name and mine, calling upon us to believe. Maranatha, we win. Is there a greater way to experience the presence than to be used by God in someone else's life? Before we finish up, I want to pull back the curtain and give you a glimpse at part of the intentionality of worship, particularly the order of worship, specifically the benediction. In his book, O Come Let Us Worship, Robert Raymond taught that a few words of dismissal, reminding the people of the challenge to serve Christ and to live for Him in the dark world of sin, are of real value. Such a word as go in peace and serve the living God in the world of strife and turmoil will remind every listener that his worship of God should, be, should have prepared him for a richer experience of witnessing for God in the everyday world. The words of dismissal are followed by a benediction, Raymond states, for people should not be sent forth in their own strength. He explains that we must be dismissed in the name of the Lord with the assurance of power. And listen to this, the assurance of power and the presence of the triune God to accompany them always. The gesture that a Companies of benediction in evangelical churches is not the sign of the cross as, as in the Catholic Church, but the lifting of his hand or hands by the minister. It's a gesture of reception, a symbol of God's mercies coming down upon the congregation. The minister receives and, and passes on to people the blessing. The blessing of the presence of God and the peace that God gives. (laughs) There's a considerable disagreement as to the nature of the benediction. Is it a pronouncement spoken to the congregation with heads uplifted and eyes wide opened? Or is it a prayer? Prayed with heads bowed and with eyes closed. In either case, an arm should be lifted up as the blessing of God is called down from heaven. I want to share a couple of benedictions with you that speak to the blessing of experiencing God, experiencing God's presence every day. May they carry you. May they care for you today, tomorrow, until Jesus does come again. To you, whose lives are hid with Christ on high, he who lives and pleads for you, may he keep you from stumbling and make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. The scripture reference for that benediction is found in Jude Verses 24 and 25, let me read it from the Amplified Translation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin and to present you unblemished, blameless and faultless, in the presence of His glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight to the only God our Savior, Through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Another benediction, another blessing that of God's presence every day. And now may He grace you with His presence, so that the weak might say, I am strong. And the poor will say, I am rich. And the feeble will say, I am upheld. This benediction comes from the following scripture references in Joel 3.10 from the message. Turn your shovels into swords. Turn your hoes into spears. And let the weak one throw out his chest and say, I'm tough. I'm a fighter. Isaiah 35.3 in the ESV says, strengthen the the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. And in 2 Corinthians 6.10, in the New Living Translation, the Apostle Paul wrote, our heartaches, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches riches to others. We own nothing, and yet, and yet we have everything. Remember the Scripture we started with, John 14, 15 through 17? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let's pray. Father, may the Holy Spirit constantly, constantly remind us that we're never alone. May the Holy Spirit help us trust in your faithfulness, and may he inspire our faithfulness. May your love inspire us to love more more often and more people. May we receive your grace by giving it away, and may we be reminded that your mercies are new every morning. And may we be merciful and tolerant and caring. As we experience your presence, may we be present for others. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 reads, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And now, may the one who grants pardon for sin and a peace that endureth The one whose presence guides and cheers. The one whose own presence guides and cheers. Strengthen and protect you from the evil one.